You're listening to Orange Blaze, a Florida Trail podcast. Yeah, so I'll just rewind and start from the beginning on this thing. I decided to hike it from the lake to the ocean. I don't know. I just feel like a beach finish would be so much nicer. And I guess it's kind of the Florida way, right? Like the Florida Trail ends at the beach if you go northbound. And it just sounded good, so... That was Josh Pacecar Johnson, an FT and AT section hiker and 2019 groundskeeper. And I'm your host, Misty Ridley Little. I'd been looking forward to recording this episode with Josh as I've gotten to know him a bit over Instagram over the last year. And it turns out there's also a thing called podcast magic, where your guest is able to save the day and record the episode for you. I had some computer issues a week before, and I thought I'd managed a workaround with a different computer, but that went south very quickly. And time was at the essence to get uh, this recorded due to our scheduling conflicts, and I managed to use my phone to talk to Josh while he recorded the episode for me. And so that means my end of the audio isn't nearly as vibrant as it normally is, but Josh is very loud and clear because he used a computer to record, so that's the important part. (laughs) Anyway, you guys are here to listen to my guests. In the episode, we talk about how Josh navigates section hiking with a family at home, hiking to race money for various charities and about his latest hike on the ocean to lake trail we packed a lot into the hour that we chatted and i still didn't get to ask josh a few of the things i had on my list though we did touch on some of his section hikes of the at as well in the show notes for the episode i have links to where you can find josh online where you can donate if you'd like to support his hiking for charity and the links to his articles on the trek i'm already in contact with a couple of people but if you hike the florida trail over the past three hiker season of 2019 and would like to share your hike here on the podcast in the next few months, I would love to have you. You can drop me an email at orangeblazepodcast at gmail.com or just DM me on Instagram at orangeblazepodcast. The show notes and podcast episodes can be found at orangeblaze.thegardenpathpodcast.com. And the show is now on Spotify in addition to iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And thank you for everyone who has left a rating or review for the podcast, or if you reached out to me to let me know you enjoy the podcast, It gives me a boost to the ego and motivation for sure, and it is very much appreciated. Um, Next month, I will have a short state of the podcast update for the one-year anniversary, in addition to a couple of guests as well. All right, on to the episode. Awesome. Okay. (laughs) Roundabout way of getting this done. (laughs) Now I feel like like you're the interviewer for some reason. (laughs) Tell me about yourself, Misty. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay now that we got all that this is like the worst troubleshooting i've ever done um oof, okay yeah so hi nice to meet you nice to see your face um and thanks for wanting to come on the podcast too um i've uh kind of in a situation right now trying to figure out who i want to talk to next because we've had so many through hikers this season um but section hikers and people like you are who make up the Florida trail primarily. So that is a lot of people who I talk to. So I'm glad you are uh, interested in being on the podcast and uh, maybe you want to start by introducing yourself, who you are. Um, Are you from Florida originally? And um, just how you got into hiking and backpacking. Yeah. So my name is Josh Johnson, AKA pace car. And I do currently live in Florida, and I have since 2002 when I came here for college. Um, But I was actually born in Wyoming and raised in Alabama. So I have a pretty good spread uh, between those two in terms of different parts of the country. 
but uh, mostly southern at this point between Alabama and Florida. Although I don't, I don't know if most people would count Florida as like your typical southern area. It's kind of a melting pot over here. So, yeah, I mean, Florida's. I mean, I would say like south of Okeechobee is not Florida. Is not the south. North of Okeechobee is the south. But then you have the coasts, and those aren't the south. And so, like, I don't know, inland and north. Yeah, it's very different. And the yeah. panhandle is almost like South Alabama just kept going and nobody told Florida. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what is, uh, somebody called it the Redneck Riviera. <laughs> yeah. And uh, where I lived in Alabama was actually right where the panhandle dead ends into Alabama. There's like two prongs that are separated by Mobile Bay. And the one side is Mobile County and the other side is Baldwin County that kind of goes right next to Pensacola. And that's where we lived uh, throughout my high school uh, tenure. So There's probably a lot of uh, similar um, uh, features in that part of Alabama as compared to Florida. I mean... The terrain and the habitats probably aren't too different. Yeah, they're pretty similar. A little less uh, palmetto and a little more red dirt. That's about it. Right, right, right. So uh, where'd you go to college? I actually went to Flagler College, which is in downtown St. Augustine, Florida. And if you look it up, it's an absolutely beautiful college. And the whole town is historic. And that college was actually built by Henry Flagler in the 1800s as a hotel. So it's a very old building and a cool place to go to school. Yeah, I think one thing I regret about my time in Florida is not spending enough time in and Jacksonville and in uh, St. Augustine and just North Florida in general, because there was a lot of interesting, especially that area of St. Augustine is just so historic. I did go um, visit the fort and all of that once. And it was kind of spooky actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They actually have a lot of ghost tours down here. And in fact, my roommate in college who is actually randomly uh, in town this weekend. So I'm going to get to see him. He actually did ghost tours downtown and uh yeah so you can get some pretty interesting tours down there and they even have one that takes place on a ship so you can go out into the bay uh in matanzas bay which actually means massacre because of uh some interesting stuff that happened there back in the day uh when things were changing hands you know with the spanish and uh so yeah it's pretty interesting history over here well, it kind of changes my thoughts about that because I always kind of thought that sounded like a tropicalish name, but now, not so much. Yeah, don't better. name your kid that for sure. No. <laughs> uh, um, so I guess how did you come to hiking and backpacking? And I mean, did you hike when you came to Florida, or I mean, Wyoming is a pretty backpacking worthy state. Yeah, so we left Wyoming when I was fairly young, so I didn't do uh, a lot of outdoor stuff up there. Uh, We made trips back every summer, so I got to see a lot of extended family out there. But um, I did have a little experience when I was younger in kind of like a church version of Boy Scouts called Royal Rangers. And so we got some camping and things like that, but we never did any multi-day hiking or backpacking trips. Uh, It was just camping and skills courses kind of a deal where we did some you know, rope tying and the typical Boy Scout stuff. But uh, it wasn't really on my radar when I came to Florida. And the way that I got into hiking and backpacking, most of the time when I tell people how I got into it, 
they are saying to themselves, I don't know how you got into it. I would have never gone again. Um, I tried to be romantic uh, on my anniversary a few years back. I think it was 2015. And I found out there was a meteor shower that was going to be happening around my anniversary. So I decided I'll take my wife out somewhere where it's kind of remote and, you know, has some of the dark sky features. It wasn't like a certified dark sky area, but you get away from, you know, the city and the lights and all that stuff. And I was thinking to myself, we'll be able to see some meteors in this meteor shower really well, and it'll be romantic. So my wife is not squeamish at all about the outdoors. And, uh, she was happy to take me up on that. And we decided to go out into the Ocala national forest and watch this meteor shower. So when I say my wife's not squeamish, it's actually like the opposite. So one of her conditions, she didn't give me very many conditions for the trip, but the one that she did give me was we're going to, we're going to go primitive old school. I'm like, that's fine. The place I chose to camp, it's actually hidden pond. And uh, I was like, you know, there's a, there's a natural spring there, um, but you still got to treat the water. But there's nothing there. It's just, you know, there there might be a makeshift firing and some logs laid out, but there's not going to be any, you know, restrooms and facilities or anything like that. So she was excited. But when I mentioned the water and I said we should probably pick up a filter because at the time I had almost nothing. Um, and she said we should I said we should probably pick up a filter and she was like, no, we're not picking up a filter. I said, what do you mean? Like, I don't, I don't really want to drink this water straight <laughs> from, you know, the pond, even though it's fed by a spring. And she's like, well, we're going to do it like they've done for hundreds of years and we're going to boil the water. And I was, <laughs> I said, okay, but that's, you know, that's time and calories. Are you sure you want to do that? She said, yes. Like, all right. Well, at the time, the only tent we had was like a family sized tent like one of those Walmart specials uh, with like a four person tent. And so it's heavy. And she basically carried just that like by the tent straps for the, I think it's like three miles and change Ah. from Pat's Island to, um, to hidden pond. And so she was carrying that. I was carrying a backpack and my anniversary is in the middle of August Oh my God. And by the time we got <laughs> childcare secured, we got started hiking at like 12 one o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, and it's, there's no cover there either. No, there's not. So we're hiking through the Florida scrub, which for those of you who haven't, aren't familiar with it and haven't really heard about it or walked through it, it's just high enough to block the wind, but not give you any shade. And it's dense with these, plants that are filled with moisture and the sun's beating down on you and it's it's like an oven and it's on sand like you're walking on sand there yeah. for when you're in the scrub um so it was brutally hot um at the time i didn't even know what the florida trail was and the data that i found was not super accurate so we thought it was going to be like about two miles and so of course we're in this several hours and you know she's like struggling, like this has definitely been two miles. And so um, we took a break and this guy came by and he was like, oh yeah, it's just ahead. And then it was still like another half a mile. But (laughs) so long story short, we got out there. She cooled off in the pond while I set up camp and processed firewood and the whole nine yards because we got to boil water. And we had used all our water that I had brought coming in and all the snacks that I had hopefully planned to go in and come back out. We had ate all of them on the way in. And, uh, I basically just collapsed after all that. And I was probably on the brink of heat exhaustion 
and she took care of the rest. She took over from there and boiled the water and made the food. And she actually spoon fed me for a little while until I recovered. And then, (laughs) um, we, we were both just kind of done and we spent probably five minutes looking at the stars and then went to bed. <laughs> it was like so hot still. Cause you know, it doesn't cool off that much at night um, in the middle of August. Uh, in the morning we were able to get some people that were camping nearby. They allowed us to use their filter and filtered some water for us. So we had water going out and this uh, guy was leaving as we were coming in. He gave us some snacks so we had like trail magic the first night on the trail, which is kind of cool um, before I even knew what trail magic was. And I like to tell people that that anniversary trip was a great marriage building experience. But even though that sounds funny, it's actually true. Like uh, we have fond memories of it and we even uh, went through some things when we were doing that together that that was a actual marriage building experience. You know, it's not like one of those trips that, uh, she'll jokingly say I tried to take her out there and kill her, but we actually both had a lot of fun. And I had so much fun that I decided to start looking up what else is around, like what else can I do, what else is out there for hiking and backpacking. And I got on the internet when when I got home and discovered the Appalachian Trail and through hiking, and I was like, this is just like long-distance backpacking just looks so much larger than life and like such an adventure so I was hooked at that point and started making plans to do more hikes and backpacking. Wow. So it's like type two fun, but it could have been type three fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, yeah, wow. You guys are definitely for poster childs for uh, the unprepared hiker. <laughs> yeah, no, we were, I mean, at least we had, you know, shelter and we knew, yeah. I, I knew at least enough to put our food up and, and, some of those kind of things, but, um, yeah. So not as, I guess your wife isn't so interested anymore after that, or I mean, you got interested. She likes camping, but she is not really so much into hiking and backpacking. I don't think she gets the same, uh, thrill of adventure that I do of the different changes in scenery and all that kind of stuff. She does like short hikes. Like we went camping, in the similar area with the kids and did a short hike to a sinkhole and back and stuff like that. So she'll do those things and she's totally fine. Like I said, with primitive camping and being outdoors and that kind of stuff, but she's not so much into long distances. Right. Right. Well, yeah. So, I mean, after that you got back, you started looking at the AT and the Florida trail and just kind of devolved from there. You started getting gear and going hiking and yeah. Yeah, I had a buddy in Alabama who was interested in doing some hiking with me, and he he was just getting into hammock camping with some friends. So I was looking at gear, and we did a little bit of camping and then a little bit of backpacking, and we did like a loop uh, in near Tallahassee. Um, and so we did a few things like that, and then I did a, um, a loop in the Sipsy Wilderness with him preparing for the for the AT because I said like, I'm going to get on the Appalachian trail and I'm going to hike some of that, uh, even though I can't through hike it. So I was kind of gearing up to that and he and I would go on a few hikes together. Um, yeah, we, we just kind of started that process and eventually I did make it to the Appalachian trail in 2017 and did a section hike there. And that kind of kicked things off. And I, I guess you could say into high gear 
as opposed to kind of just testing some gear and doing things like that. Right, right. So you're in Northeast Florida. What is the, like, your go-to, I mean, your go-to areas for the Florida Trail? Like, where do you go to because it's close to you? But also, like, what hiking is in that area in general that, you know, it's not on the Florida Trail that people should know about that you're exploring and out out there hiking? So I kind of do stick primarily to the Florida Trail. Um, And on most of my reach that is kind of reasonable for like a weekend section hike or something along those lines would be the south end of the Ocala National Forest area all the way up and around to where the Suwannee kind of ends and turns into road walking, um, which is a, uh, it's not quite 300 miles worth of trail. It's like between 250 and 300 miles worth of trail, I think. Um, and it's worked out pretty good for me to be able to do section hikes on that and not have to do out and back hikes or find a loop that I have to do. Cause I usually either have a hiking partner or, uh, you know, we're, we're a two car household. So the wife is able to drop me off and shuffle cars and stuff like that if we need to. Um, so that whole range that I just mentioned, kind of the Northern region, if you were to go to Florida trail website and check out the Northern region, that's pretty much what I cover on the Florida trail. And we have a few local things. Um, there's a loop on Anastasia Island, which is just across the bay that I mentioned earlier Mm-hmm. Uh, in the state park that you can do. And there's a few geocaches around and stuff like that. There's uh, I think it's Guana state. I don't remember if it's a state park, um, but it's called Guana in Jacksonville. It has a hiking trail. Um, and I always get it confused because there's, there's two areas up there. There's one you can hunt. That's actually like a, a WMA. And then there's, there's an area you can hike that's separate from that. Um, so I can't remember if it's a state park or just a, a natural area, but there's a spot up there and the rest of it, honestly, is I've been hiking the Florida trail. So, okay. Yeah. So have you done all of those sections or do you just go back to your favorite sections, repeat them all the time? I have done most of the Ocala national forest area, except, uh, kind of on the North end, uh, a little bit North from store 88. Uh, I haven't gone from there up to Buckman Lock and then anything north of Buckman Lock until you get to Olusti, just south of Osceola National Forest. I haven't filled those in yet um, because there's some road walking mixed in with some hiking. And um, so I haven't filled those in yet. And there's a small section at the very bottom of Ocala National Forest that I haven't filled in either, kind of that area. Um, south of state road 19 uh like if you go south south from there i think south of alexander springs i think yeah yeah um i haven't done that and then at the very end of the suwanee section there's like maybe 20 miles or just a little less than that right before the road walk that i haven't done and the rest of it i've done so yeah um now what about in ocala do you have you done the western corridor at all or just stick to the eastern Eastern so far. Um, Yeah, the other one's just a little further away, and uh, it's not that I'm not as interested in it, but uh, like this year, my goal is to kind of hike the things I haven't hiked and re-hike the things that I have hiked and just kind of string the entire northern region together. 
over the course of the year in section hikes. So I'm kind of doing focusing on that this year, and then we'll see after that. Maybe I'll switch over to the western side of Ocala or uh, jump further down the Panhandle or maybe even uh, plan a little bit longer trip or a little more travel time and jump down and do uh, Big Cypress or something like that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, speaking of jumping around, you just did the Ocean to Lake. Um, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was really cool. I did not do it in the same number of days that most people do it. I think most people take at least four days to hike the ocean to Lake trail. Um, five or six days, like the, the group hike, uh, I actually started the same day as the Loxahatchee chapter of the Florida trail did cause they were doing their group hike, but I think they did it in six days, may have been five and I did it in three. So it was, it's a little more aggressive. Uh, it's a 63 mile trail. And long story short, I was supposed to do it at the beginning of the year and everybody in the family got sick. So (laughs) I was not able to do it at the beginning of the year where I kind of was able to string together some uh, natural holidays with some vacation time. So I had three days and that's all I had. So I said, I'm hiking this thing and I just did the 19 to 24 mile days and knocked it out. Yeah. I mean, I think three days is totally doable. We did it over a Thanksgiving break in 2009 as a AT prep and I think we yeah we left on Thanksgiving day and I can't remember we finished up like Saturday evening or Sunday evening um but it was three or four days it wasn't a long we didn't string it out I mean I think it could be nice if you strung it out but I don't see any reason to make it (laughs) longer than you need to yeah and at the same time though like if if someone came to me looking for advice, like, hey, I'm going to start the Appalachian Trail. How many miles should I be doing from Springer Mountain? I wouldn't say, like, 19, 24, 19. Right. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wouldn't start a through hike that way, probably, especially since there's a lot of water on the Ocean to Lake Trail, uh, yeah. typically, as well. So foot care becomes a little more uh, yeah. top of mind. Um so I focused on some foot care and I said I can get this done in the three days. I have a little bit of experience already walking through the water because the Osceola section has some short uh, bits of that. And so I already had a little experience. And actually, I think I hiked in just as much water uh, last year when I hiked on the AT for my second longer section hike uh, because I was in subtropical storm alberto oh yeah and that thing was dumping rain so uh doesn't seem to matter which trail i'm on i guess i'm gonna get some water Uh-oh. yeah <laughs> now the ocean to lake um did you have any favorite sections or um anything that any that you know you made some good memories from or um and you, i guess did you go from the lake to ocean or ocean to lake Yeah, so I'll just rewind and start from the beginning on this thing. Um, I decided to hike it from the lake to the ocean. I don't know. I just feel like a beach finish would be so much nicer. And I guess it's kind of the Florida way, right? Like the Florida trail ends at the beach if you go northbound. And it just sounded good. So uh, I went that direction. And parking was a little difficult, uh, even looking it up. Um, there's some really good instructions online from Jupiter. And one of the 
things that was difficult to discern from all the information he's put out there about the ocean to lake trail was parking. So I managed to figure out that I could park at Jonathan Dickinson state park. If I reserved a primitive campus site there, um, then I could park my car for the duration of the time that I would be out on trail, even though I wasn't going to be staying at the campsite. Mm -hmm. So I parked there and I was able to get a shuttle from somebody that is a Loxahatchee chapter member. Um, his name is Jim. And shout outs to Jim because uh, he was he was my ride and an absolute trail angel. Um, I had to hike. It's about a mile and a half hike out from the spot in Jonathan Dickinson State Park where you can park your car to the primitive site. So I hiked that out the night before. And then he was picking me up in the morning. And somehow my phone turned off. Uh, in the middle of the night. So I woke <laughs> up to daylight and I was like, Oh crap, what time is it? Um, but I had enough time to throw all my stuff together in camp and hoof it down there. And uh, I made it right on time when we agreed to meet, but he was there waiting with coffee and a couple choices of breakfast bar. And I was just shocked. Like, okay, uh, this is amazing. Like I thought you were just giving me a ride and he was, uh, he was just a wealth of knowledge about the area locally and gave me the coffee and, and a, and a bar, which was awesome. Cause I didn't eat breakfast, you know, I just threw my stuff together yeah. and made the shuttle. Um, so he, he was awesome and, uh, gave me the ride to the other end and dropped me off and sent me on my way. And yeah, it was good. Uh, there's a, just a tad bit of road walk in there at the very beginning, but, uh, I don't think I was even maybe half a mile in and crossing one of those roads was a giant alligator that I could see from like a quarter mile away. So he was, he was a pretty big boy. And when I got up there, you could see where his tail had just drug a giant stretch across getting out of the canal and where it went in on the other side. And I didn't see him after that. He disappeared, but uh, yeah, he was a big boy. So yeah. <laughs> no, that's lucky that you had the shuttle. Um, we luckily we knew a friend from geocaching who lived in in uh, West Palm, and they was able to uh, shuttle us to the ocean. Actually, we parked at a parking lot, whatever the park is that you end at. I think we just like left a note in the in our dashboard that said we're hiking the ocean lake. Don't tow us, or here's our phone number. Call us, or something. And nice. We, were, we showed up, and our car was there, and we're like, okay, yay, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of my other option. Um, originally, we were gonna, me and my dad were gonna hike the ocean to lake together, and we were gonna um, leave a car at a hotel and like stay there the night before, and then stay there the night after we were done. Um, mm -hmm. But like I said, that didn't work out, so I hiked it by myself and uh, with a little bit higher mileage, and it was it was great. And the wildlife was actually one of the highlights of the trail. I had almost started to think that this claim that the Florida trail had so much wildlife was like a myth because <laughs> I I've obviously hiked a decent chunk of it and I haven't seen any deer, no bears. Like I had not seen a lot to that point. I had seen um, like actually the most I had seen is I've, I've seen three coral snakes oh, wow. out there, <laughs> yeah, which I, I hear is kind of rare that you don't yeah. see those that much. Um, and then other than that, I've, I've seen maybe like a turkey and her chick. And so I was thinking to myself, like, I'm ready for some wildlife. I hope this trail delivers. And it, it really did. Um, I saw some gators. I saw a raccoon. 
I saw more snakes, none, none venomous though. Um, and actually, fun fact, I know we're going to talk about this later probably, um, but while I was picking up trash, I actually picked one up by accident. And oh, like, no. <laughs> what is in this trash? And I turned it over and there's a snake in my hand. I'm like, oh, so I threw that guy back. Um, but uh, yeah, I saw snakes. Um, what else did I see? I saw must so much. A, I was saying, it must have been a cold day for you to pick up a snake. I guess so. Yeah, he was he was kind of small to be honest. Like oh, okay. uh, he was hiding, he was kind of curled up, and he was hiding under a uh, like a Lay's potato chip bag. When oh. I grabbed that, I thought I had a stick in my hand underneath there. It was just a lump. When I turned it over, he just kind of looked at me like, "Whoa, what is up?" And yeah, <laughs> so I threw him back, and but then I saw a couple bobcats at two oh, at good. the same time. Actually, they were together, and a bunch of deer. I saw some hogs up close, like 25 feet away, um, and I even got to see an otter. Nice. So, yeah, that was that's like a pretty big handful of wildlife for the 63 miles instead of, you know, the <laughs> a couple hundred miles that I've been on the Florida Trail prior to that, so. Yeah, no, that's a good, uh, good selection of wildlife. I mean, especially the bobcats, the otter, um, I think we saw two otters in one day on the main Florida trail on our hike. And then like another, another, like the day after we were just like, wow, otter city. Um, but that's probably, I think otters are probably one of the cooler wildlife to see out there just because you don't really encounter them. I mean, they're already rare, um, pretty rare as they are. Yeah. So, um, something I want to touch on, you mentioned several times, uh, hiking with other people, um, your dad and some friends. I mean, I guess what, it didn't work out for anybody to come down with you on Ocean to Lake. Right. Yeah. Traditionally, I have a buddy. Uh, his name's Neil, and he is the one that I was mentioning uh, would help me kind of prep for the AT. And we did some hammock camping together. And then he did a section in Ocala with me. Um, and he still comes when he can, comes over from Alabama. Um, but most recently, my dad has started hiking with me, and we did a shakedown hike with him on the Suwannee River section. Uh, I think it's basically from Bell Springs, and on that shakedown hike, he actually um, was still trying to get things together, like foot get, footwear and all that kind of stuff. And he had some issues with his legs for that hike, so he jumped off the trail in White Springs. Um, so he basically did like a day there and then he worked on some of those issues and got some of the leg stuff straightened out. And then he was able to go and uh, on the second section hike that I did on the Appalachian trail, he did deep gap up to rock gap, I think. And okay. then he had to get off there. And so he's kind of been slowly building. And then the last section hike we did together in Ocala, he went for the whole weekend and didn't have, um, he was experiencing some, He's just like energy drops where he would just seemingly just metabolically kind of tank. Yeah. And um, we weren't sure why. And at that point, he uh, the last time it happened, he had already like drastically changed his diet. He had lost a significant amount of weight. Um, he's still losing weight. And, you know, that's that's great. Like this kind of kicked that off for him, which has been awesome to see him reap that benefit too. Um getting himself in shape for hiking and, and going out and doing those things. But he was still having these like energy drops and um, 
he had talked to his doctor about it and got cleared of a lot of possible issues. And I am not sure, and he's not sure what the difference is other than this, the continued effort to uh, lose the weight and get a good baseline as far as physical exercise goes. But that stopped and he didn't have a single issue with that on our last trip. So we're kind of hoping that uh, he's just continually able to go further and faster and all that good stuff. Um, But it's been, you know, very emotionally fulfilling to be able to hike with my dad and get that time one-on-one time with him and go out there. Or sometimes my buddy Neil does come with us. So um, it's not always one-on-one time, but you know, it's obviously people that are uh, in my life and that I care about and we have a lot of fun together. So that's always been great. Yeah, no, I definitely like hiking with family. Um, I hike with my, my dad sometimes and, you know, he'll, he'll wax off about all these previous hikes he's done with my brother when they were in scouts and, and Philmont and things like that. And um, so he always has good stories to tell and it never fails. He always kind of tells the same story because he's kind of getting to that age race, you know, stories yeah. he likes to, to tell over and over again. But, um, you know, we've done several hikes with him as well. And I don't, I think being able to share that those hikes and those stories and that time is, is definitely very valuable. And I wish other people had that opportunity um, with other people close in their life. Cause I know, I know most hike, a lot of hikers, there's even their, you know, I mean, your spouse likes camping, but she doesn't like hiking. And I think that's probably pretty prominent um, throughout, you know, the hiking world that, you know, only one person in a, in a couple is the one interested in hiking and, or the family doesn't understand it. So it's good that you're able to share that. Yeah. And my wife has been, super understanding and like I said even dropped me off at the trailhead and shuffled cars and done all that kind of stuff so as far as logistics go she's been a huge support and um, especially this year with kind of a higher commitment uh, to hiking more miles than most years right right well, I guess we can we can talk about that a little bit too about what what that commitment to hike more miles is if you want yeah sure. <laughs> So um, I obviously wanted to hike the Ocean to Lake Trail, and then I'm trying to do this northern region of the Florida Trail, and I'm trying to do all of that, not just for me, but I also am part of the 2019 Granite Gear Groundskeeper team. So I'm going to be packing out trash while I'm doing that, and uh, already have been on both the Ocean to Lake and just uh, my section hikes so far. So... Yeah. So what prompted you to, to sign up for that? I know, you know, they've been doing this for a few years and this was kind of fun to see what Coldilocks did last year, but what made you want to do this? Oh, well, um, so I guess this would probably be a good point to just talk about, um, kind of, I guess my hiking ethos. Um, well, I told you earlier that backpacking long distance hiking just felt larger than life to me and um yeah i think that it's like a good way to experience that larger than life thing and then pay it for at the same time if i'm uh doing something on the trail that is you know outward facing um and not just hiking for personal enjoyment but kind of hiking for a good cause and paying it forward and 
in this case, practicing and leave no trace ethics and kind of leaving the space cleaner than when I came. And just the overall experience of hiking for something bigger than myself is what uh, hike with heart, which is what, what most of my social media and so on and so forth channels uh, are titled. That's kind of my, my hiking ethos boiled down into three words is hike with heart. Uh, that's what it means to me is just hiking for something bigger than myself while I'm out on the trail. So it, it definitely fit in with my hiking ethos to get together with Granite Gear and apply for that program and just try and pack it out while I'm there and leave the trail better than I found it. Right. Um, yeah. So at the same time, I guess we could talk with, about Hike with Heart because a lot of your hiking is for charity. And I mean, I'm vaguely familiar with that with other hikers on you know, through hikes who have hiked for charity in the past, but um, you're not a through hiker. So I think it's a little bit of a different scenario. And I think most people don't, might not really understand uh, how that works. And I guess why you would hike for charity as not, you know, when you're doing smaller kind of sections. So maybe you can elaborate a little bit about that too. Sure. Uh, I started hiking for charity because I've always been on a tight budget and so I don't have a lot of bandwidth to make financial donations, uh, but I have two feet, so I hike for charity. <laughs> that's that's how uh, Hike with Heart on the charity side was born. Um, and again, it just seemed like such a modern-day adventure, and and there's got to be something I can do to pay it forward at the same time. So starting in 2017 with my first AT section hike, uh, I hiked for a project in Haiti, and then in October, I did a hike for mental health. And then 2018 until now, I've been hiking for charity kind of via multiple methods. So I'll kind of break those down super quick, and then we can dive in deeper on anything that you want. But the primary charity that I support is Ability Tree First Coast, and they help Florida families that are affected by disabilities. So that might be uh, CF or Down syndrome or autism or things like that. And um they have multiple ways that they help that population. Um, but it's pretty straightforward how I fundraise for them. So I ask people to make donations with my mileage goal in mind, just like maybe your typical school fundraiser might work where a child will, you know, run X number of laps and then you can sponsor the child per lap or whatever. Um, so I ask people to donate with per mile in mind. And uh, this year's goal is 300 miles, and I'm hoping to raise $3 per mile, which would be a total of 900 And that money goes straight towards helping the Florida families affected by disabilities. I don't even see the money. It goes straight into their account. Um, and then the second way is that I simply launch an app on my smartphone called Charity Miles, and it tracks my distance. And they have sponsors, maybe people like Johnson & Johnson, who donate a small amount per mile that is tracked through that app to the charities that you can choose from on the app. And so on there, I currently fundraise for the national park foundation just so that I can give back towards the conservation efforts as well. Okay. Um, so say you announced you're going to go hike for, you're doing 300 miles um, on the trail and you only do 150 this year, but is somebody pledging, I guess, how does that pledging work if you don't, yeah. So you're going to do. So the way that I kind of set it up is when you go to the website, for instance, on, on my website and you donate, uh, cause that's kind of the primary 
method that I give whoever's in my audience to be able to, to click donate. It's like a one-time donation. So I have a little chart on that landing page on the donate page that says, if I do this many miles and you give this much money, here's how much you're giving per mile as just a couple examples. Um, so you would make the one-time donation and then I'm going to hike however much I can possibly hike and try and meet that goal. So far I've made all my mileage goals um, that I've set up. And in the past, this year is a little different because I'm saying, Hey, I'm doing 300 miles. It's going to be the ocean to Lake trail in this Northern region of the Florida trail. Whereas before it was like, Hey, this is happening in May and I'm searching hiking the AT and it's going to be 85 miles. Here's how that would look. Um, and I have even in the past taken a, physical sign-up sheet and ask my friends and family and coworkers to make a pledge and then write a check when they get back. And I've given the check to the charity and stuff like that. But right now what I'm doing is you just make a one-time donation on the website. It goes straight to the charity and they actually have to tell me when people make yeah. donations so that we can kind of work together to keep track of that, um, how much is coming in. And that's worked out good, but you basically make a one-time donation and however it gets split up in terms of per mile is based on how you want to give towards what I'm aiming to do versus making a pledge and then how much I've actually done. So there's not really a big gap where it's like, oh, well, only did 100 miles, so we're going to adjust your giving amount. That's not really necessary when you do it that way. Right, right. Um, yeah, I like that aspect much better than, um, you know, setting up like a GoFundMe page or something like that and saying that, you know, hypothetically I'm hiking for this charity, but, you know, people don't really necessarily know that that's where that money is going to end up. So I, I can appreciate that. And I'm sure other people do too. Yeah. I try and be very transparent with that stuff because nobody likes getting burned on that. And, um, you know, like hike, hike with mental health. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with them or not, but you can actually go to their website if you want somebody that's just easy uh, to hike for in terms of hiking for charity, hike with mental health makes it really easy. And part of their proceeds go towards funding research and part of them go back to the trails. I think I forget which two trails. I think one of them is the Appalachian trail and maybe the Pacific crest trail. You could check their website for more, but uh, they actually have the situation where you can go in create a username and password, and then they have it set up so that you can create a page you know, that falls underneath their website and their URL with like your personal page. And then you can share your personal page. And when anybody donates there, um, you get a notification and it'll register on your page, kind of like a GoFundMe um, situation, but it's strictly underneath hike for mental health. So there are definitely people out there. If you want to get into hiking for charity, that make it a little easier than, you know, my methods kind of DIY. I set up my own website. I have a donate page. You go there and learn about the charity or you can link out to their website and learn more about them. And then you can click donate right there. Um, that's kind of the DIY method of doing it versus getting involved with somebody uh, that is big enough or technically inclined enough to have a donate page that you can make for yourself. Okay. Now about how many people are donating? I mean, do you get random people donating from that who come across you on social media or is it still mostly people, you know, uh, personal connections are definitely bigger donors and more frequent donors, but I have 
even recently gotten people who must have seen it on social media because we'll get a donation. And I, I don't know the person, you know, <laughs> yeah. and a lot of times the email is familiar too, uh, where you can kind of tell who it might be on social media or something. If you're very engaged on social media, which I usually am at least with uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, so yeah, I've definitely got some random ones. I don't know who they are or where they found it and they've just donated and that's great. Um, I appreciate every donation because I definitely care about the charities that I'm, that I'm working for here. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it's definitely an interesting, uh, um, thing to be hiking for. And especially in this day and age when most people are just out there to promote themselves. And I mean, I kind of feel weird saying that just because <laughs> I think we both still try to promote ourselves because, you know, it's social media and we're hiking and doing things, but I guess in the way, uh, influencers is what I would say mean uh, people who are out there looking to get sponsorships for themselves instead of you know hiking for a bigger cause so it's definitely admirable well thank you i appreciate that yeah like i said i just i wanted to be benevolent and i don't have the money to do it myself so i'm putting a little sweat equity into it um and it's almost kind of cheating it feels like too because like i said i'm out there for my personal enjoyment but um i'm turning it into something that can be used for uh, something bigger than myself and something outward facing and uh, uh, the charity that I mentioned ability tree. Uh, she actually really was into that idea the program director here. And she started uh, mentioning that to other people. And I think it sounded like maybe a few other people had turned their hobbies into a way to fundraise, which is kind of a, a new idea almost, you know, like taking your hobby and turning it into something you can fundraise for, for your community. Right, right. Go back a little bit to the groundskeepers. What things how did you pick up on the Ocean Elite Trail? What's kind of the oddest pieces of trash? <laughs> oddest stuff? Uh, well, you know, you get a lot of your typical, like, um, aluminum cans and glass bottles and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of what the groundskeepers like to call micro trash, just the corners of packages and stuff like that. Um, and I seem to find a lot of like string or uh, just anything that people use to tie stuff up. I find a lot of different kinds of string. It seems like probably the oddest thing that I found so far is a pencil sharpener. Hmm. Um, I guess that's a part of everybody's outdoor wilderness kit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, that's probably the weirdest thing. I found some trash in odd places. Um, you know, people make like flags out of stuff and you're like, what are, what were people thinking when they put this stuff here, like up the tree or I don't know. <laughs> that's probably the weirdest some, thing. Some of the flagging stuff could be hunters marking places to come back to. That would be my only guess about some weird stuff in trees like that. That's possible, and all they had on them at the time was a beer can, you know. <laughs> well, that's that probably a different story. That's like, I'm too lazy to haul this out. So. Yeah, probably so, yeah. I think people just, you know, they're like, got to get rid of it anyway, and then yeah, sometimes I wonder if they're drunk, and they just kind of find some oddly creative way to put stuff up there, but... I think I even said on one of my posts one time, like I don't award creativity points for leaving for littering. So make it home and make all the art you want. Just don't leave it on the trail. Ah, oh my goodness. And I guess how much should be packed out so far? 
weight wise, it's, it's a little under. Yeah, it's under ten pounds so far, just off the top of my head. Not not a lot, but it seems to be about right. Like uh, the about twenty mile section that I did with my dad in Ocala, I carried out just over two pounds. And Sunshine State Seekers actually just went back through basically that same section. Not quite the whole thing, but they did add the half of the yearling trail to it, and they had like the same amount. It was about two pounds, so I guess that section is just gathering about two pounds every couple months. Um, and so that's I, I don't know. Yeah, it's a little less than ten pounds, but I'll be getting back out there, and it's it's kind of odd too because um, that section is pretty clean on the trail, but then you know, like on the road that you're driving out from there there was a spot where people had dumped appliances and I oh. can't carry that out. So yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, there's other spots that need to be cleaned up that just aren't possible carrying it out on your back. Um, I don't know if you, well, Coldy locks, I think it was uh, said that she found a mattress. Was it? I don't know. She was, she was telling me about it from last year that she found like a, a mattress, I think. And that's just another one of those things like you can't carry out a wet mattress. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 No, I remember in Apalachicola, we came across basically it was an open dump of people throwing random household things because, you know, you can drive out there on the forest service road and, you know, they don't want to pay to take it to the landfill. So here it is in the national forest. So yeah. Yeah. That's incredibly frustrating. Yeah, and I don't know, did you see the sad situation with the bear in Juniper Prairie Wilderness recently? Uh, um, I knew it was closed because of bears, but I didn't um, really understand or, or follow up to find out exactly what was going on. So, basically because of poor leave-no-trace ethics and also because of probably poor food management, not hanging your food and things like that, I think people go out to areas like Hidden Pond in Ocala uh, national forest and some other areas in that general vicinity and they camp a lot. And so it's kind of the same situation where they're not as experienced probably and don't know what to do and they keep their food in their tent. So there's a bear out there that has been associating tents with food. And I even ran into a couple of hikers in January when I went through there that described some very close bear experiences um, he wasn't being aggressive towards people, but he was basically getting within 30 feet of people expecting them to just kind of move so he could go in there and check tents. And, uh, so they, that's why they closed it down. Cause he was getting right there with people trying to check tents and they weren't sure how much longer he was going to stay away when people were there and in the tents. Um, so they closed it down for a while, but when they reopened it to day hiking use, I, I guess they had been doing some testing. There were some pictures that the Forest Service posted of an empty tent with the door open and no attractants whatsoever inside. So they weren't baiting the bear with food or anything like that. They were just putting a tent up and seeing what it would do. And they caught the bear checking the tent for food despite the fact that there was nothing there except the visual of a tent. Right. Um, so they ended up putting the bear down. I just found out today. Oh, um, and the, and now they've reopened the wilderness because they yeah. got rid of the bear. But it's sad because they had to put an animal down, and because he had so strongly associated tents with food that there didn't even need to be the smells or the typical things, you know? Right. No, I don't think I knew that. 
I did not see that. I knew it was open, but I did not see that they had to put a bear down to open it. And I kind of like, feels crappy now. It'll be like, yay, it's open, but oh, a bear died because of it. Yeah. Which, again, uh, probably mainly it's not people, you know, purposely uh, kind of giving the bear the finger. They were just more or less not aware of the proper thing to do when you're out there, which is hard to give people a whole lot of credit because especially that area, there's very clear boards up about leave no trace ethics and things like that. And the bear warnings and that you need to have proper food storage. And in fact, I think you can be, you know, issued a citation if uh, somebody rolls into your camp, uh, Florida uh, wildlife or anybody like that, any kind of officer rolls in there and you guys are uh, not storing food properly, I think you can be issued a citation in that area. So um, it's right. it's posted everywhere. I think people just, you know, go on their merry way and do their thing. And that's kind of the unfortunate side effect of it. When So hopefully uh, while I'm out there, I try to coach people up in a very non-confrontational way, you know, if it gets... If it's able to be brought up, I try to bring it up and mention it or talk about past problems like this one with people so that it doesn't repeat itself. And Yeah, right. Oh, my. Well, I'm kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, poor bear. <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe we can transition a little bit about, I mean, as maybe the life as a section hiker. Um, you do, you know, sections on the AT, which are pretty big chunks. You do some semi-big chunks on the Florida trail. Um, I mean, how does it, how does it feel to be a section hiker? Do you feel like you're pressed for time when you're out hiking? Do you miss your family? Is your family missing you? Or is it, I mean, you know, how does it feel in, in those situations compared to what, you know, maybe other through hikers are going through? Sure. Uh, I think the ocean to lake trail is kind of a good litmus test. What we talked about earlier, as far as, you know, I do have a limited amount of time to hike. I'm kind of on the clock or I have to schedule my time off and maybe coordinate it with holidays. Uh, When I was hiking the Appalachian Trail, both times I hiked it around Memorial Day because I get the extra day off. So I do some things like that. But in terms of uh, section hiking and family, it definitely works better for the family than a through hike in terms of just the amount of time away and working with current employment so that I'm gainfully employed and providing for the family. So I plan stuff. I plan more things than I can hike, but that way when I have time to hike them, I can fit them in. It's like very much like the ocean to Lake trail. It's been on my radar since I found uh, the AT and it's just been a little bit further away and it's a little bit longer than something you can kind of fit into a two-day weekend so I just had to figure out how I wanted to do it and get down there and do it um, with the limited amount of time that I have and then this year you know uh, with the I basically kind of committed to this 300 miles and I did that by planning it out you know I had to have a conversation with my wife like I want to do 300 miles that's basically going to mean that I need to hike more in a year than I'm used to hiking what can we do And we basically sat down and said, well, you can take one weekend a month and you can go hike. And um, that way you'll be able to do the mileage you want. And it doesn't impact the family so badly that that we can't make things work. And uh, 
I actually didn't tell you about this, but I have some big news to announce publicly for the first time, which is that me and my wife are expecting a baby in May. Oh and my gosh. Be, yeah, that'll be baby number three for me. Uh, both my kids now are a little bit older. I've got a seven-year-old and my son is about to turn nine. So we're kind of restarting in terms of the young ones. Uh, <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, it was not exactly planned, but not exactly avoided either. We're just kind of in that uh, it's okay, whatever happens phase. Yeah. And, uh, so, but that should give you an idea of a, how awesome my wife is <laughs> in terms of supporting <laughs> my uh, long distance hiking bug. And then also just like, you can make it work. You know, we're expecting a baby. And I said to her, if I commit to the groundskeepers, I want to be able to go through with that commitment and, that would mean that if I get accepted to the program, I'll be hiking even after we have a newborn. And uh, she said, yeah, I think we can make it work with one weekend a month. So that's how I'm making that work this year. All uh, right. Yeah. And I've even done some, well, I did one trip with the kids. Um, my son is more into it than my daughter is, but we did a, a quick like two miles, two miles and change out and back overnight backpacking trip. Um, just north of store 88 and that was a ton of fun they got to see a, a rabbit out there and got pretty close to it i think 10 feet away from this wild rabbit and so they were talking about that for months and my son's begging me to go out again so i'm gonna have to plan something for he and i that's a little bit shorter but longer than two miles he says he's gotta he's gonna do bigger miles <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> now my son did uh about five and a half miles in, in the mountains over here over Thanksgiving. And I was, and he's four and I was like, so impressed. I was like, Oh, I mean, it was slow for five and a half miles. I mean, <laughs> there's no like record breaking pace here, but um, yeah. I mean, I think kids, once they, you just start getting them out there and hiking and build those miles up and you know, is your son the seven year old or the nine year old? He's almost, yeah. He's about to turn nine. So he's That's a little bad. bit older. They're 17 months apart. Yeah, he can do it. So, yeah. well, it's good that they're also older, the new baby. It's better than having a new baby and a toddler. So, <laughs> yeah, that's what we did with them. They're 17 months apart. So, we had, yeah. you know, like an 18 month old and a one month old. And, oh, my. Yeah. <sighs> wow. Well, congratulations. That's good news. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. We're excited. Um, I think we have quite a lot to talk about, but I don't know if we're going to get to it all. But maybe I do want to touch on a couple things. Um, Maybe briefly talk about your AT section hikes and how you came up with um, your trail name. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, well, like I said, I, I got into the Appalachian Trail because it just, you know, when I found through hiking, that was kind of the primary trail where all the information was. And um, so I started and did the Georgia section in 2017 the first three days was kind of lonely because I could not convince anybody to go up there and do that <laughs> with me. Um, so, and I, th I think my one buddy, Neil, cause I, I mentioned he goes out and, and does trips with me. Um, and I'm talking about one day I want to through hike some of these long, longer trails. And the way he put it has always just stuck with me. He said, I think your call to the wild is a little stronger than mine. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I planned this Georgia section by myself and the first three days were just kind of lonely and uh, getting used to 
the mountains and things like that. I had done a lot of stairs to prepare and stuff, but um, about three days in, I rolled into mountain crossing and I was trying to get a place to stay there and it was full. And so I asked them, uh, cause you gotta understand, I love showers. That's one of the things that I actually miss when I'm out on the trail is just a warm shower. So I was looking forward to somewhere to stay or a warm shower when I rolled in there and uh, it's supposedly they offer showers. Mm-hmm. Well, they were not offering showers that day. Oh no. So me and another uh, girl had just come off the trail and she was with a crew of people from Virginia and we both got the same bad news and we were turning around to walk out and find a place elsewhere to pitch a tent. And these two ladies came hustling in there and they were like, did you guys just come off the trail? Like we saw two people walk across the road. And I said, yeah, we, we were. And long story short, they had just paid for rooms just so they could get showers and they were finishing a section. So they gave us their rooms or their beds and uh, the hostel was moved by their generosity <laughs> and allowed them to take showers anyway. So we, when I came in there, we, we got this trail magic and then we spent some time with this uh, crew from Virginia and the other people at the hostel, you know, just getting to know each other and um, it generally being hiker trash and, you know, people were drinking and we were having a good time, you know, sitting around in weird clothing because we're trying to get our clothes clean and all the fun stuff that you do so i made some friends there and ended up hiking after that point with one of the uh people from the virginia crew her name was hannah and renee who was not with their crew and both these people had things that were going on that were not normal so renee she was new to hiking and she had been i guess just blowing out miles to the point where she was killing herself and then having to stop and take long breaks and then the other girl was actually an experienced backpacker but for whatever reason her shoes just went to garbage on her mm. in those first three days and she was dealing with some serious deep blisters that just looked gnarly so i said well i've i've been kind of lonely you know do you guys want to just hike together and they said, yeah, but you're going to set the pace because, you know, we both have, like, I, I go too fast. I try and go my normal pace, and I'm killing myself with these blisters. And the other girl's like, I just don't know how to pace myself. So I started just setting the pace for us over the next few days. And eventually Renee's boyfriend, uh, she would call him every night, and he started asking her if she still had her pace car. Ah. <laughs> referring to me. So by the end of the whole thing, they were calling me pace car. Uh, as I continued to set the pace over the next few days uh, into Dix Creek Gap and up to Deep Gap. So it was uh, that's how my trail name came about. And uh, it's kind of fitting because I just feel like it's helping other people, you know, keep going. Kind of has that vibe and matches what I'm about on the trail anyways. And not just that, but I always have to pace myself because I'm trying to get a section done in a certain amount of time. So right. I, I kind of, it just kind of fits. It's just me. That's funny. I like that. It's better than some ways people get trail names. So <laughs> yeah, some unfortunate accident, especially having to do with bathroom habits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I did like all of your articles on the track and I think I, a lot of them are cross-posted on your website too. So, but yeah, like I told you, they brought back a lot of good memories from those sections of the trail. And it's also 
kind of fun seeing because you said you hike around uh, in the May time period, seeing everything green versus like when we walked through that area, it was all brown and still March and yeah, dreary. So when people post nice photos on Blowed Mountain, I'm like, you know what? I sit up there. There were icicles like dripping off the trees. Like <laughs> people on Blood Mountain because it was so cold. So. Yeah, the wind is just tearing through there because there's yeah. nothing nothing on the trees. And, yeah, yeah. So um, it's just it's just fun to see other people's perspectives. And I actually I don't read a lot of trail journals, and I don't even follow a lot of people on the AT just because I, it makes me sad because I'm not hiking on it. And so when I do go. Th- sit down and actually read people hiking and then it's nostalgia for me. Right. So, um, I do want to kind of wrap up with a few things that I'm, I'm trying something new here. So I went to do like four quick question, rapid fire sort of thing. Okay. Um, kind of fun thing. Well, you're my guinea pig for this. So, (laughs) and kind of the first one's kind of inspired by something you asked a few weeks on Instagram. What's your favorite, trail food or snack oh good one yeah uh so my favorite snack is probably the sun ripe fruit strips uh they're very tasty and it's just a quick sugar boost i always look forward to eating those um maybe followed closely by the welch's fruit snacks there's something just good about that almost raw sugar that's that's there and the sun ripe fruit strips are like vegan gluten-free all kinds of stuff so there's not a lot of junk in them and um so those are probably my favorite snack that's on the healthy side on the unhealthy side it might be towards the salty version of fritos specifically mm. the chili cheese fritos yeah for some reason <laughs> somebody had those on trail one day uh, on the at and I've never been interested in those in my life, and all of a sudden I got a craving for those, and now I want them when I hike. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, the next one is your favorite piece of gear. Ooh, favorite piece of gear. Um, probably, probably just my trekking poles. They've saved me from some nasty falls, and I think I kind of like being a quadruped in, of sorts when I'm out there, whether it's sand or, uh, or on mountains in the AT or whatever, they just, I like having that extra, uh, support and yeah, yeah they set up my tent cause I use a trekking pole tent right now and stuff like that. So they're pretty integral. Okay. Um, all right. Your best trail moment. Ooh, that's a good one. I would say it's, it's Hopefully not too generic, but it it would be the interactions with people. Uh, I'm kind of an extrovert generally by nature, which I don't know if a ton of hikers are or are not, but I like interacting with people and I can hike alone. I've done that. It's okay. I enjoy that side of it too a little bit, but it's nice for me when at least at camp you get to interact with people and just learn their stories. And that's been the probably the most fun part of the long distance hikes has been getting to know people, hearing their stories. That's what comes to mind. You know, I have several stories that I could just rattle through that people have told me. So that's one of those deals where, you know, we don't have time for all that, but that's what comes to mind is just those moments you share with other people. Right. Okay. And the final one is your favorite hiking or kind of travel book. Hmm. Right now, I would have to go with Pursuit of Endurance by Jennifer Farr Davis. 
Um, I got the chance to meet her at the 50th uh, trail anniversary and I actually own a signed copy of her book and the audio book, um, which I highly recommend because she has a very gentle but confident voice. And there's just something about being able to hear the author tell the story in their own voice. So you get all of the inflection and things like that, the way they want to tell the story. And she's a pretty good st- storyteller, and um, she has a lot of stories to tell because she has a lot of miles under her belt. Um, and she's also in that book telling several stories from different hikers and um, ultra runners and things like that. So there's a lot in that book that's uh, very interesting, very storytelling driven and, you know, not just a trail journal. So I definitely would recommend that to anybody. Yeah. I actually just read that one last month and I really enjoyed it and I've read all of her books. So (laughs) Nice. Awesome. Well, I think maybe if you want to tell people where they can find you online and follow your hikes and uh, maybe where they, if they feel like uh, pitching into uh, the charities while you're um, for your hikes this year. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate the support. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at hike with heart and hike with is my personal blog. Uh, I have some exclusive content on there as opposed to my blog on thetrek.co where I write some articles and do gear reviews and I have some personal blogs on there, like you said, mostly geared towards the AT. So a lot of my Florida trail stuff is on hikewithheart.com. And if you go to hikewithheart.com, you can click the donate button in the main navigation and read about that and the charity. And if you click the donate button on that page, that money goes straight to Ability Tree, the First Coast chapter. And uh, just to expound very briefly on what they do so that people kind of have an idea uh, of what they do to support families is they have set up, I guess you could say, a way to give families respite time. So uh, a lot of times people with those affected by those disabilities uh, are full-time caretakers and there's not a lot they can do. So imagine being like a single parent but your child has a special need and there's most people during the summer will put their kid into a summer camp. What are you going to do with a child who has special needs? You know, you basically can't work. So they offer uh, summer camps and then they offer parents nights out and things like that. And they're working towards more and more support in kind of in that department for those families. Uh, so you can go to that donate page on hikewithheart.com. And I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. On Facebook, it's official Hike With Heart. And uh, you can keep an eye out for blogs and articles on both my personal site and thetrek.co. All right. Well, again, thank you for coming on the podcast and for sharing uh, everything that you're doing on the trail with groundskeepers, with um, your charity hikes and just your perspective as a section hiker and I soon to be another, another, another dad. Or another yeah. Parent. Another parent. <laughs> I guess you're saying another kid. That's awesome. Congratulations again. Thank you very much. And uh, hopefully in the next five years, I will have a through hike plan and be on that thing too. It's uh, it's in the long-term goals. So just uh, continue to follow along. And in the meantime, I'll follow you guys and interact and, We'll just keep doing this thing together. Awesome. All right. Well, you have a great evening. Thanks, Misty. You too.